0: welcome back to the ckth podcast this is part two of our interview with mr sean ellison in this installment we spend a bit more time talking about sean's recent opening called love love a solo exhibition of his paintings that opened on july 16 in london england cheers and enjoy once again You are exactly where in the city right now? I'm in Sunset Park. Um, I,
1: I think that's what there is called. Uh, I'm on 15 Street and 8th Avenue in Brooklyn, just at all the different markets, which is super interesting and always captivating. Definitely transported right now. Um, on the way to the tennis courts to see if any of my friends are playing join them without a racket or shoes but i'm gonna do it nice are you are you barefoot at the moment no i'm just in my sandals gotcha probably be playing tennis barefoot today
0: if i manage to get a racket nice uh what's what's weather in new york uh like right now
1: it's super muggy today it's just been very steamy um I was actually on my way to Coney Island and the train said 30 minutes and the subway platform's hot so I thought I actually really just needed a walk so I thought I would take a walk um, and I'm living between 12th and 13th Avenue and 42nd Street in Borough Park so the Sunset Park's always a nice getaway from there.
0: And so what what have you been kind of? How have you been kind of feeling today? Definitely overwhelmed. I had my opening
1: yesterday in London. Um, I couldn't make it to the opening because I my visa has not arrived in time, which I was grateful for because I have some other projects that I'm finishing up. But um, so the opening happened from four to seven. My sister was there. A very close friend, Jamie. They both, got, you know. Uh, what's stopped me and it was just a you know it all feels great and a little anti-climactic in some ways just because you know you you're kind of so private with the work for so long and then it, it's out there and you you don't really maybe it's a control thing where you you know you're just with the work every day looking at it and then it, Developing a relationship with it in a way, in and the work is always in relation to what you're experiencing, and then it's kind of released from the studio and from your life. And and yeah, I guess you don't always even know where it ends up as well, or who ends up buying it. And maybe not having a relationship with those things can be a little jarring, but also extremely grateful that it allows me to continue practicing.
0: yeah, were, were there certain um, narratives about the work that you felt like needed to get um, described further? Uh huh. So
1: I I started making a series of tennis paintings almost two years ago, um, which obviously related to my life in a way, uh, a side of me that I was a little bit ashamed of, um, as I didn't want the jock association, but doing some various, you know, looking back at some of my shadows and addressing who I was in a larger context in a way. I started to do some watercolors of tennis players. Um, And then I, you know, Taymor had seen some early paintings of the Grand Slams. And I I guess that was the direction I went in. Um, So I had my first show with Taymor, which was called Hit or Miss. It was an online show. Um, and then Taymor had asked me to do another show. Um, and, you know, I think that sticking to a theme within the range of one show to the other, because it was only eight months the next so seemed like something I should do. But I was going through
0: a different time period. So can we just go back to the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, for for that show, um yeah at tamor were there were there certain narratives uh uh-huh. connected to the yeah. work or the process of making yeah. work like the period of time that you did uh-huh. the work right? in, that you just felt like you wanted to further describe
1: yeah i think um I, I was going through a pretty significant breakup when i started the work um for the show yeah. and really needed to lean into the things that I was developing. And that was like my tennis practice relationships with certain communities within different, you know, parts of Brooklyn. And then my friendships, um, which is, which led me to, to kind of be in specific places. And then that was its own intimate experience. Um, so it was kind of like what, you know, when things, are, when they're going it's tough and and you're lost or you've had some kind of this idea of loss in your life it's like what you do you turn to what are the what are the rituals you know and so I think that's what I was looking at for for this series is like what are these things that I find where where do I find solids um and I was I was looking at Fort Green, which each place that I painted. Was a moment in time with a specific friend or client, as to why I was there. So, I guess that's kind of how. Because it's always you always as a as an artist making. It's always like, what do I make next? Or so it was just these. I had these sensations of like that immediate present, whether it was a shadow on a wall of a rackable cord or. Just sitting, watching tennis and feeling like comforted by those things, comforted by the friend I was about to meet um, with things that helped me over that period of time. Um, but it was if, kind of interesting series because it was two different bodies of work going on where I was reflecting on the immediate present, which were my daily experiences, going to hit at a racquetball court or going to meet a client or a friend and then also thinking about the grand slams and following the atp tour and the wta tour and thinking about what you know what how how does loss relate on the circuit you know what does it look like to be the 150th ranked player in the world or to not be the nadals not on the show courts where you're just trying to make ends meet and you know, week to week, you win, you lose in one week, and you have to wait a whole other week. And I just had started to think about all the different aspects of tennis that weren't always positive, that were trickier, that were more challenging for players. um So that became, and then I think my first series, too, just in terms of formal color palette wise, I felt like I switched from oil to acrylic and I wanted the palettes to be a little darker. Uh, a little more tonality to them and maybe mood so that was i think i'm equally invested in the making as much as the the subjects are always the the beginning the way of starting something but once i'm working once i start a composition it's about kind of adding and investing in this like all those different formal elements of surface and form and color so
0: did in a in a very almost bizarro kind of way, because I feel like things with Djokovic lately have been kind of bizarro, but, like, did you have any specific feelings watching Djokovic recently win Wimbledon while your your show was being kind of debuted?
1: Uh, Yeah, I, I... I'm always wanting the underdog to win. Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, I think they're great champions and they've been in that situation so many times, but I kind of couldn't care less if they won another Grand Slam in a way. Um, I'm really rooting for the the young guns to The Alcarazes and Zverevs. And I was, you know... It was very interesting because Curious turned everyone's world upside down by getting to the finals. And I think, I think we all know how talented Nick Curios is, but like just how it's always a question of is he fit enough? Does he care? Is he going to throw the match? Is he going to have uh, a quarrel with the umpire or the crowd? So it was just interesting to watch that. For me um, and see how how talented he is and look back at a few of his matches when he was 20 and how hungry he was um, but i don't know i i didn't watch most of the matches i just watched some of the highlights but i, I was thinking a little bit about wimbledon just because my show was in london um so i'd done a painting of the royal box and i would reflected on a 2000 and I think it was 2008 or 9 match with Nadal Federer that was so epic and seemed so important to both their careers. Um, yeah, Wimbledon's always been like the tournament for some reason. I was very disturbed by the whole politics this year with how they banned uh, players from Russia and the Eastern Bloc area. That was, I, and I and I thought, you know, in a better world, I feel like the other players should have boycotted too. It just shows how isolated some of that is, just that mentality. But that, you know, life goes on and, and it's everyone wants to keep going and, and not stop if they can. Um, but the event just felt a little spoiled in relation to Medvedev wasn't there, Rublev wasn't there. So just, and, and then obviously they took it off in terms of it, it they're no longer considered points on the A to B tour. So nothing happens to curious's ranking now and it's all just it was just players were playing for prize money at prestige. Um, but not my most favorite service to watch tennis. But kind of funky and fun too. The grass. Yeah, it's just so, so bizarre. It seems like it 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 feels like that it's you know, the whole, it's the aspect of tennis I don't like, just with the whole, you know, white clothing, white privilege, country clubs. It's just the whole part of tennis that feels like it's somehow kept it in a leader's sport in a, in a strange way. Um, I think if you take all that away, tennis has really shifted to being more accessible and diverse and open to, to anyone. But that, and it's just amazing how, you know, I think it's so much more challenging or significant to win the French or something, but somehow that prestige is just like penetrated into all these psyches and even an adult, he was going for, I think I was reading his autobiography and he was talking about how um, you know his uncle and him, like that was the tournament to win, but that was not the game that he had built, so but for some reason it's just Amazing how hyped up it's gotten over the years, and I think it just has to do with every, the surrounding things. That you know, the royal box, the just the whole nature of it. I've never been to the event, but I'm far more inclined to want to watch the French or, or other Grand Slams. But
0: yeah, and and that's in your work. I mean, you, you've got you have the U.S. Open in your work. You have the French Open in your work. You have Wimbledon. In your work, yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, is there like a specific feeling that each one of those settings, whether it's the physical, actual setting in the real world or the painting, I mean, like where does that land right now? Knowing that the show has gone up and the matches have happened, and now you're reflecting.
1: Yeah, I think the grandstands. I just felt like a good starting point because everyone has a usually most people that even know little about tennis have a relationship to the grandstands. They don't really know a whole lot about the the others, what, ha- you know, they're the four biggest tournaments of the year. Um, so I, I use that as a platform. And then they also address the aspect of surface, which is cool to think about like, well, grass is kind of a landscape and, and clay is kind of, you know, gritty earth and, you know, a hardcore is blue, which also has like, is, is kind of an interesting color or, or thing to paint, you know? Um, but I think my paintings are usually about what's around it and the kind of, uh, the, um, just the, the what do you call the sponsorships and all that, but
0: yeah. Um, yeah hmm. Do you feel like there's more commonality that people than people realize with somebody who is a, an artist for example who's preparing for a show of course and then like you said the, the 150th ranked tennis player in the world who might just crack the you know the the Wimbledon um lineup.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's definitely there's definitely commonalities. You have to persevere and, and stick with it, um, no matter what it looks like. I, I mean, I, I was just thinking the other day playing. It's just such a hard game, and I think I'm, I'm just like always up for a challenge to kind of overcome these things, whether it's in a painting or whether you're fatigued and playing a match. But um, trying to think that I feel like that's a question I need to reflect on commonalities between. Um, if you're 150th in the world and you're preparing for a show, I mean, you have to knuckle down, (laughs) you know, I think that's a big part of um, the discipline aspect of, and rigor of of showing up, you know, and, and doing your work is really, I don't think there's such things of being inspired or inspiration. Maybe you feel good about something, um, within the process of doing but you really just have to show up and and put in the work you know and i think if you're 150th in the world you may be you know even looking at Alcaraz's the way he climb from 600 to 450 to you know these guys are literally starting at zero some of that and going start you know if you go from zero to a thousand to 800 then you may get a wild card so that person that's 800 can have the quality of being a top 50 player that still has to get there, right? So you don't know. And then some people may plateau. They may have reached their full potential at 150 and can't go further. So it's, it's very specific to, um, to the person, right? And how much they can grow. I mean, when I first saw Alcaraz come onto the scene and qualify for the Australian Open, I think two or three years ago, I just thought to myself, it's like, he's fine. I didn't, you know, and then the the amount he's risen in such a short space of time, I don't think I would have seen that possible in terms of another player, you know, but,
0: but yeah. And then how do you feel about the progress of an artist or even rather the progress, um, of yourself as a tennis player?
1: Mm. In relation to there being such a thing as progress
0: or? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, for a tennis player for sure, you know, I feel like every every player can Mm. tighten tighten aspects of their game. Right, right, right. Yeah, I
1: think as an artist, you know, I don't think, I think I made, I remade certain paintings. Um, I, I remade a crowd painting that I've made. I remade a tennis court painting, but I was trying to think about, well, what, what can I find that I may have not found? Or I think progress is about being present. Um, I also don't think it needs to be so extreme. I think it can be really subtle as well. Um, and I think as an artist you know i used to go from subject to subject and i i felt like i always felt like i had to be so radical like i can't make the same work and but i think it there's something about consistency that's also that's also comforting and about how um there can be subtle shifts you know and i think just for me thinking about a darker the tonalities of my work or the crowd painting this time I had everyone facing forward in the last painting. And so this painting, I wanted to have more kind of nuance and, and different positions, different turns where I left. There was people looking different ways and I wanted to create more structure in the painting. So I feel like that's how I made progress was just looking at what I had done and what I may not have liked. Um, tennis is hard because it's this, and maybe art's the same way. It's always like two steps forward, three steps back. Because on a day that's windy, where you play opponent that doesn't quite match up with your style, you can have an awful game um, and really feel, in the end, it's about confidence and mental. So progress is, you know, it's it's such a game of maybe just understanding that you're not worse of a player um, for losing a set 6-1 or for having a bad day the bigger context or the larger context is that you know you may be winning more free points on your point or you may have improved your fitness or it's a tough one progress because i think there's maybe this idea of i always have to do better or i always have to do more and it's that doesn't like we have a lot of symbols i think that we attached we we make meaning out of and i don't necessarily think that that I think those confuse matters because then we're saying this show was better than the last show and now my tennis game is better. Instead it's it's not better, it's not worse, it's of the same quality, it's just different. But it's the fact of, you know, you just you don't want to be tuned out doing something. And I think in terms of art making, it's like how do you dial in and, and go to those places of real presence,
0: right? Um, that's, that's important to me. Um, was, was there a part of your tennis career, um, prior that, Uh, that was as challenging, um, as the breakup that you just went through?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. I think they all, they all relate to one another and it's, it's always how you handle things, um. I think college was difficult for me. Um, I had a lot of expectation on me there, but was it? These are challenging questions that I feel sometimes I have to think about deeply before <laughs> just launching into an answer. Uh, was, there, was there a time period time as challenging? I think the whole thing was really challenging for me. Um, I didn't have systems when I was playing of how to overcome what was going on in my body. So it was, I was kind of mentally strong, but also very fragile. Like I didn't, you know, now I'm very into mindfulness and meditation and, and presence. And so it's like, I can see myself in these situations. Like how do I reconnect with my body? Um, you know, I think so building up some systems that I I didn't, I didn't know, you know, I was so nervous. I I had a terrible match. I I didn't have someone to talk about that emotional quality necessarily with, um, the breakup was hard in, in its own way because you just, that's just a whole different thing in the sense of, you know, permanence and impermanence, right. Where you think something may be permanent and you wake up and it's not, um, It's its own thing, right? But I guess the loss of like, yeah, I I felt embarrassed. or I I felt like this, I didn't see it coming. There there were some things of my identity that I had to really question. But I had built a support system around me. So that was really um, the friends and family that were there for me at that time. And then, you know, when you're so in something, you also don't see some of the things that were not quite right. So. But I think that it was its own thing in a way. Um, and, I, and I guess, you know, the crowd painting to me, going back to my paint relating to my painting, that was all about... Because when I started it, I had no connection to the crowd because I had already done that and I, I made a painting. But then I just started actually painting the people that were close to me and in my life. And um, I, I found meaning in that. I found meaning in reflecting on, on their person's how they had been there for me or just what moments you know either a person I had been teaching that you know we we share intimacy with or or a friend being out you know
0: yeah and in this last uh suite of paintings that you did for the Grand Slams you definitely have like these different objects that you've placed into the piece that each of them have like a specific meaning in a place for you is there a specific thing that you can call out that like maybe is easy to overlook or something that just like has a special amount of importance to the to this particular show at taymore
1: yeah i think thank, thank thank you for mentioning that because i think it can so all the small details that i put in the paintings can be overlooked because you're definitely looking at an image online you won't necessarily see see those specific things. Uh, I am really interested in intimate worlds. Um, And then the found objects tend tend to be certain things I actually pick up on the street. Um, But yeah, I think that I do find meaning in like the everyday and the, the visual of the everyday, what I seem to pick up on the street or find or photograph. That is how the paintings actually continue on, whether it's painting little objects that I built in the windows or you know certain tattered soccer balls that i find on the street those are all things that i like to incorporate and just to be like okay this is a, a kind of amalgamation or like a whole collaging of what my life looks like in a way and just sometimes it's like maybe adding that object it, it gets you into a process of, of making you know, um they are a big part of the work, the details. We got to move meditation, going into details as opposed to making
0: larger brushes. It's just a different mode. It's a slower mode. Were you meditating a lot when you were an athlete or do you meditate more now?
1: Definitely more
0: now. I don't think I knew about it when I was an athlete.
1: Even though I was into visualization in the beginning of my career, I used to be into John Kehoe and have like all these mindfulness notes that I, all these posters that I'd stuck on my wall of like just positive affirmations. I was always into aspects, but it wasn't until later on that I started to, you know, get into yoga and mindfulness and all of that healing. So it's, it's a big part of the process and, and, uh, the different modes of painting, like the slow meditative, meditative mode, the expressive, physical—those are all, I think, part of that practice in a way.
0: You the know? way that you, the way that you describe Kyrgios, um, it felt very human in terms of what you were saying. You know, is he going to throw the match? Is he going? Is he fit enough? Yeah. Is, is he going to get into it with the with the judge or the crowd? Yeah. Like, I don't know. That seems like a really relatable thing to describe him as. Definitely.
1: Well, I think that's what's charming about him is that he's himself. And I think the whole, the whole conversation of uh, vulnerability, right? How how vulnerable can we be? Whether we're in a relationship or, or making work, how much control is there? And I think we we all feel sometimes like there's a narcissism behind some of the. The words being said um, but at the same time I feel like Curious is honest and himself so it's like we're all as much as we're jarred by some of these interviews and things he says we're also just like t- say more because say the truth speak your truth you know I think I'm, to- I'm so on board for that because every a lot of the tennis players are so stoic and they don't want to upset anyone and so there, you have a controversial personality, just like kind of erupting, bringing the conversation forward. MacInnery was like that. There are a few people, I mean, in the past that have been a little more outspoken in that way. You know,
0: are there things that you want to be able to tell the art world in a similar sense?
1: Um, other things I want to tell the art world. Hmm. In what can you? of be more specific in a way.
0: Yeah, in terms of, I think number one, just how we tend to consume things at the moment. Mm. Definitely, I
1: I think I would just like everything to be slower. Um, I take a long time to make my work now, and it wasn't always the case. But I think that's also just on the individual, right? It's like some people look, some people you know are, are quick and maybe that's because they have a quick eye or but the the art world it does feel fast it does feel like uh, how do you maintain a, a practice of showing and like honoring your space and you know having enough time for you you know to have a life and to have your needs I do feel like I was working most weekends leading up to the show and just it was all about the show and I I think the challenging thing about about painting is it's this strange thing of like you go into the studio and you never you never know whether you're going to spend six six hours on a painting that you're working on or you're going to try paint something else or you're going to leave after half an hour because you don't feel it it's just always this this thing for me of that it's 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 so unknown and the art will the art will sometimes it feels so much about particulars like okay this number of paintings, we're going to try to sell them. And I don't know, the the two worlds feel quite unrelated. Um, But I I guess that's not my concern too. It's not for me to worry about. I think I would just like to probably be involved in more public oriented projects. Um, So I'm going to be doing it, donating a painting for a charity event uh, with KTCL which is a which is a program in Brooklyn that helps you know they underprivileged kids get on the tennis court and provides coaches and rackets and balls so I'm kind of excited about that but yeah and just maybe doing more charity work will be good
0: is that program that you mentioned um specific to Brooklyn or is that part of a broader national no it's Brooklyn I
1: want to say it's Brooklyn As far as I know.
0: Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Well, why don't we put a pin in the conversation here? Cool. That sounds good. Thank you for for chatting. It felt good to get some things out today. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I think it's perfect. And um, enjoy the uh, tennis, man. Thanks, John. I'll speak to you soon. Okay, bye bye. bye.